Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. We're continuing our study of 1 Peter, and we'll be in chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 this morning. Now, those of you who have been following, have been with us week in, week out, or have been following us uh, listening online, know that over the last several weeks, we've talked about what it looks like to live out a Christ-like life in the midst of the world where God has placed us. And in particular, what we have seen is that living like Christ in this world is submission. Submission to where the Lord has placed you, whether it is submission to the governmental authorities, submission to economic authorities, submission within the family. We are called to live out a Christ-like life in the way that we submit to those who are around us. As we come to verse 8 of chapter 3, we find this final command, this final teaching about what it means to live in submission, not just to particular people, but to all people. And so we turn our attention now, starting in verse 8 of chapter 3, hear now the word of the Lord. Finally, All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days... Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Lord God, we come now to Your Word, and we ask that You would teach us of the path of life, that we might see good days in this world. We pray, O God, that You would teach us what it means to walk as a Christian, to show forth Christ in our lives. And we pray it all in His holy name. Amen. Why is it that in the moments of our greatest success, we often find ourselves feeling the most empty and unsatisfied with life? You work for years to start a business, and when it finally takes off, you feel like you're an imposter. You're filled with self-doubt and the feeling that someone else probably could have done it better than you. You graduate from college. You get a good paying job, sit down at your desk, and you wonder, if I've arrived, why do I still feel so anxious about the future? Maybe you're mid-career. You're well-respected, you're accomplished in your field, but feeling trapped, wanting a change in your life, but unable to leave because of all the outward benefits your success has afforded you. Or you're depressed and unsatisfied with being a parent, 
being a spouse. You have three healthy children. You're married to someone who is a believer, but still you feel like there is something that is missing. The driving ambitions of life, education, career, family, finances, achievement, the pursuit of happiness so often leaves us anything but happy. In our passage for this morning, the Apostle Peter quotes Psalm 34, which asks this question that we see in verse 10. Who desires to love life and see good days? Who desires to love life? Who wants not to merely be successful, but to enjoy the success that they have achieved in this world? Who wants to wake up in the morning joy-filled because of the life that they have been given to live? Who wants good days? Who wants to go to bed at night satisfied with what they have accomplished? Who wants to feel in the very core of their being that their life is a life that is good, a life that is filled with purpose and joy. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Full, abundant life. Good days. Loving and satisfied with what the Lord has given to you each and every day. This is what the Apostle Peter is seeking to lead us to this morning. The love of life. Abundant life in Jesus Christ. And yet, what we will find is that the path to loving life is much different than we might expect. For Peter is no health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. And the Lord Jesus did not come that we might have ease and have it abundantly. Rather, in our passage for this morning, Peter teaches us that the true path to loving life, the true path to seeing good days, is to give your life away. There, these words are what Jesus used to teach the same lesson in Mark 8, 35. He says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Do you want to save your life in this world? Do you want to love life? Do you want to have abundant life? Then lose it. Give it away. For those who give their life away will find that in doing so, they gain true life. I wonder what you might think the most daunting challenge facing the American church in the 21st century is. I get a lot of opinions as a pastor as what needs to happen and the things that are facing the church. I wonder, do you think it's the breakdown of the family? Maybe it's the ever-eroding morality of our culture? Is it secularism? Is it the push to accept unbiblical sexual lifestyles? Is it biblical illiteracy? What do you think is the biggest challenge that faces the body of Christ in America? As a pastor, I might offer a contender 
to these challenges that I have offered to you. I believe that one of the biggest challenges to the health of the church is the rampant and often unchecked spirit of consumerism within the church. You see, consumerism tells us this story. The reason that you do not love life, the reason that you don't have good days, is because you are lacking some item or experience. Therefore, through the consumption of goods and services, you will achieve satisfaction. Are you dissatisfied with your kitchen after watching the Home and, uh, the home and Garden Network? Well, then you need to buy a remodel. Are you dissatisfied with your car? Well, you need to trade it in. You dissatisfied with your health? Buy some exercise equipment. Are you dissatisfied with your knowledge? Then you need to buy a book. Are you dissatisfied with your job? Then you need to change careers. Are you dissatisfied with your church? You need to find one that meets your needs. Shop, purchase, consume, and be satisfied. That is the gospel of consumption. Eat, drink, be merry, and put it on the credit card. For tomorrow, we die. But this is not the narrative of the true gospel. This is not the path to abundant life according to God's Word. For the Lord Jesus did not shop and purchase and consume, but rather He obeyed, served, and gave His life for others. Consumerism says, buy your life. And Christianity says, give your life away. Look at verse 8. Here, Peter explains how we might have life through giving our life to the body of Christ. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Peter is concluding a section in which he has taught all Christians to submit to the governing authorities, to submit to the economic authorities, to submit within familial authorities. And now he says, all of you. If I haven't hit you yet, I'm talking to all of you. You are to have a unified and humble spirit towards each other. He expresses this attitude that should mark our relationship with other Christians as like-mindedness, sympathetic, filled with brotherly love, compassionate, and humble. Now each of these qualities are rooted in a willingness to submit personal desires, needs, emotions, and ambitions to the greater good of others. To have sympathy, for example, is to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. It's a willingness to enter into the needs and concerns of other people. A tender heart means that you need to have a deep emotional connection to others in the body of Christ in which you long for their well-being, for their fruitfulness, for their good life. In Philippians 2, Paul explains the attitude that we should have towards one another in the body of Christ with these words. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, so often we approach the body of Christ with an attitude of, how is the church going to meet my needs? Do I like the music? Am I being fed by the preaching? Are the children's programs keeping my children entertained? Am I learning in Sunday school? Are the people friendly enough to me? Now, I'm not saying that a church should not excel to be excellent in what we do. But rather, if your relationship to the church is primarily about how the church might meet your needs and not primarily about how you can give your life to meet the needs of others, then you will never be happy in the church. As a pastor, I see this all the time. I saw it in South Carolina. I see it here in Virginia. People come, they consume a little church, they see how it tastes, see what it does for them, and then after they are dissatisfied, they move on seeking a church where they might get their needs met. And they're never happy, and they're never satisfied with what they find. It is not those who receive much in the church, who love the church. It is those who give themselves to the church, who love life. You see, to love life as a Christian, you need to begin to focus your attention away from yourself and begin to focus it on those who are worshiping next to you. Do you love the people that you are worshiping with this morning? Have you given yourself to them? Are you united in mind with them? Are you rejoicing and weeping with them? Do you want to love life? Do you want to see good days? It won't come through finding a body who will meet all of your needs. That doesn't exist. But rather through through submitting yourself, giving yourself, giving your life to the body of Christ. Now, it might seem rather radical to say that if you want to love life, then you need to give your life over to the body of Christ. But just wait to hear what Peter says next. Look at verse 9. He says, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. To love life, to find fulfillment and satisfaction in this world, we must be willing to give our lives over to the body of Christ, and we must be willing to give our lives over to our enemies. Peter says that we are not to repay evil for evil, or hurtful words for hurtful words, but rather we are to try and to make those who are mean to us happy. You want a happy life? Then seek to give your enemies a happy life. You want to be encouraged? Then speak good words about those who speak poorly about you. You want good days? Then give to those who ruin your day the best day of their life. 
The Proverbs puts it this way. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Jesus says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Vengeance and unforgiveness is never the path to a good life. So don't revile those who are mean to you. Don't ignore those who speak ill of you, but bless them, pray for them, forgive them, and pray that the Lord would forgive them of their sins. You see, there are those of you here today I know have wounds that I can't even imagine. You've been hurt in ways that have altered how you see the world and other human beings. And I don't mean to make light of the pain and the anger that you feel because of the way that your enemies have treated you. And I may not be able to sympathize with you, but there is one who can. For the Word of God tells us that in Jesus Christ we have one who can sympathize with our weaknesses. For He has been tempted in every way that we have. And He has suffered abuse and shame and loss. He was humbled. He was tortured. He was killed. And yet, even as He hung upon the cross, He prayed for His enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, we are never more like Jesus in this world than, we, than when we are giving our lives for our enemies. When we are blessing those who curse us. When we are praying for the salvation and for the good of those who have mistreated us. Do you want to be happy in this world? Do you want to see good days? Then take the radical Christ-like step to lay down your life to bless those who curse you. It's important, though, how we understand the way that this works. Because happiness, joy, blessedness, they don't just automatically come when you lay down your life. You see, we don't need to confuse this teaching with something like karma, right? What goes around comes around. If you've been around long enough, you know it doesn't work that way. It doesn't all come out in the wash. There is not some cosmic law of nature at work here that says, if you're nice to people, people will be nice to you. Rather, to experience fullness of life in this way, that is, through the giving of your life, you must have faith in God alone to be the one who blesses you. Look down at our text beginning in verse 9. There we see the active role that God must play if we are to find life through the giving of our lives. You see, life doesn't just make sense 
if you do it this way. We need the gospel. For to this you were called, right? To laying down your life. That you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. First, in these verses, we see that it is God who has called. You see that in verse 9. It is God who has called us to this life. Blessing and life does not begin in our work and sacrifice. Rather, it begins in the call of God. It begins in the work of Jesus Christ who loved the church, who died for the church, who loved us even when we are enemies, that we might become sons of God. For we do not earn the blessing of God through giving our lives for others. Rather, it is given to us through Christ giving His life to us. Second, we see that we live this way so that we might inherit a blessing. The ESV says to obtain a blessing. Yet a better translation may be to inherit a blessing. It's the same word that's used elsewhere for inherit. We don't earn the blessing of life through laying down our lives, but rather, as verse 7 says, we are heirs of the grace of life. God has caused us to be born again. And through this new birth, we have been born into the inheritance of life. Therefore, to love life, We must first receive the life that has been given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Third, we see that it is the Lord's eyes who are upon those who give their lives for others. He sees their life with favor. As Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, we are to practice our righteousness in secret so that our Father who sees in secret will reward. And then likewise, we see that in giving our lives away, the Lord's ears are open to our prayer. Remember the husband from last week when he didn't treat his wife with honor? His prayers were hindered. But when we seek to live for the good of the church and for the good of others, the Lord loves to answer our prayers. So when you give your life to the church, Don't do it with the mind and the expectation that the people in the church will then bless you and give you life in return. You don't love your enemies with the idea that all of a sudden they will begin to love and bless you in return. It doesn't usually happen that way. We don't give our lives to others with the hope that they will in turn give their lives back to us. We don't serve people so that they will in turn serve us but rather to see good days, to love life, we must look to the Lord Jesus alone in faith, for He has already given His life for us and receive life from Him. For apart from Him, we can do nothing, but in Him is full and abundant life. So give your life away. This is the pattern that we have committed ourselves to in following Jesus Christ. 
For the Word of God tells us that Jesus poured out His blood for the church. He gave His life so that we might have life. And the Word of God tells us that we were enemies of God, but while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. This is what it means to take up your cross and follow the Lord. Give up the path of salvation through consumption and hear the call of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. It is a radical message, this Christian life. Submission, Humility, sacrifice. In a world that says you need to learn to love yourself, you need to focus more on your needs, it may be a hard sell to quote Jesus when He says, lose your life. But this is how we will see good days and love life. When we give our days and when we give our life away. In the name of the Father and the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to You and we praise You for the... You sent Your Son to love the church, to pour out His blood to obtain a bride, to wash her, to purify her, that she might be presented to Him pure and holy. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that You loved Your enemy, that You gave Yourself, that those who would curse You and revile You might be made sons of God. And such were we, enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet through Your blood, we have been reconciled and we have been called friends and sons of God. May we now walk in a manner that is worthy of this calling to which You have called us in Christ Jesus. And it's in His name that we do pray. Amen.